0: Welcome to the Compass Rogue podcast, Um, affiliated with Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation. My name is Alexandra Fox. I am the co-owner of Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation. My business partner, Christian Tomasco, and I uh, have begun uh, recording podcasts. Um, We're very excited about... um, the content and um but a couple of things before we start um this podcast is not meant for treatment it's not meant for anyone specifically it's gen- there are general topics um with um specific statements about specific topics but it's not meant for treatment if you need mental health treatment um please reach out to a mental health professional if you're in an emergency call 911 um, if you need to set up an appointment with a, a counselor, uh, you can call our offices, uh, compassrosecounselingdc.com is our website, uh, or another therapy practice. Uh, but don't, don't rely on, on our statements as uh, therapy. Um, and also don't take our word as the law. Um, while we do, uh, we do have a lot of evidence-based research to support what we're saying. And we do have a lot of uh, individual and collective experience in the mental health field. Um, And we, I can safely say that we uh, are an authority. We're not the authority. And I encourage people to think critically uh, of what they're hearing. And um, we're also open to feedback So if there's something that you want to make a statement about, or if there's something that you have a question about, please reach out to us at compassroguedc at gmail.com. Compassrogue as in R-O-G-U-E-D-C at gmail.com. And uh, we're happy to address uh, statements, questions. Um, I think that's it. Uh, So let's just go ahead and um, introduce Christian to Moscow and myself in my kitchen. Thank you. excited to talk about mental health. Are you excited to talk about mental health?
1: I am very excited to talk about mental health. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Christian Tomasco and I am the co-owner uh, and co-clinical director of Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation, here tonight with my beloved uh, business partner, Alexandra Fox, and we are very excited to embark on this journey with you. This is a new endeavor for our business, Um Compass Rose Counseling and Consultel- Consultation LLC is a two-year-old business, right? It seems like we've been around for longer than that, but it's only been two years that we've been uh, around as an LLC, and uh, this podcast is a new endeavor for us. It's um, kind of an offshoot of our mental health practice, uh, and we're, we're using it as a platform to uh, discuss uh, mental health topics, right? Topics, issues. Uh, that pertain to mental health right therapeutic modalities behaviors defining clinical terms helping people to better understand what exactly mental health is and how mental health can be managed and uh, most effectively Treat it right, and like I said, we will we will be discussing and defining clinical terms for you. We will be discussing hot topics in the field of mental health. We'll be uh, discussing therapeutic uh, modalities, uh, evidence based treatments, um, and just trying to generally trying to make the topic of mental health less stigmatized. Uh, for people and more relatable and understandable for the average person so that if you are someone who is struggling with uh, their mental health, you feel more empowered and comfortable to reach out for uh, help and support from uh, a practice out there, maybe ours, maybe another practice. But uh, that's really the uh, the goal, the aim of, of, of this podcast. And, and we hope to be both informative and entertaining. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so to sort of... uh, And by by the way,
1: ladies and gentlemen, sorry, Alex, I just want full transparency. I have a glass of wine in one hand and a a glass of whiskey in the other. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so, uh, and I have wine and that's it. But I... I think one of the great things that we can do, you were talking about not stigmatizing mental health, one of the great things that we can do as counselors is to universalize people's experiences, right? And so um, I've been working in mental health since 2004. Um, I started out as a community support worker and, um, and got my graduate degree and became a counselor. And um, took some time off to be a stay-at-home mom, and uh, but I, I have a, a great deal of experience, as does Christian, in the field of mental health with a wide range of um, of populations. You know, broad range of populations, and um, we have universal experiences, and so to destigmatize uh, mental health or mental health uh, issues. Um, I think universalizing the human experience uh, through the experiences that we have as clinicians is really important. Um, The pandemic has been an interesting place to be as a counselor. Um, Our ability to take a small sampling of people and uh, generalize their experiences um, to a greater population of people, um, has helped a lot of people cope with the difficulties of dealing with what's been going on in the last year or year and a half. But anyway, mental health, um, mental health, destigmatizing mental health, universalizing the human experience. And, um, and also I have a lot of thoughts about how mental health um, really um, should be treated differently. Um, I've had endless conversations with other clinicians about about diagnosing, about um, physical health and mental health. They're really not separate, and people tend to separate them. Um, anyway, so I could go on and on, and I could get very tangential, but... Um,
1: Why don't we start with... Uh, you You had a good idea uh, the other day. You said uh, the topic for tonight's podcast... Uh, this And this, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is our first podcast obviously as you can tell we sound like amateurs and that's uh, uh that's because this is our first endeavor into creating a podcast and so we're learning as we go so bear with us um uh alex mentioned the other day to me that uh she had an idea for uh the first topic uh, uh for our pilot podcast and that is uh, defining mental health what is mental health uh So, uh, Alex, I think that's a good place to start, right? I think we should define for our listeners, which right now consists of uh, a dog and a sleeping teenager, um, I think we should define for our listeners, what what is mental health, right? Because I I don't think most people truly understand what mental health is.
0: Well, uh, yeah, so I I brought that up the other day um, because I was thinking... um, it, yeah. So so I looked it up. I was mm-hmm. like, "What is mental health?" You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's an interesting idea um, to define what mental health is. Mm-hmm. So defined by the World Health Organization, uh, they say it's a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, mm-hmm. can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so what do you think about that? That's a
1: bit much. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, the Oxford uh, Dictionary uh, defines mental health as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. I, I like that definition a bit better. It's more succinct. It's to the point. Say it again. Uh, a person's condition with regard to their f- psychological and emotional well-being. Right? So
0: who determines that? I guess is the question.
1: Who determines one's condition?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's uh, a good question. Uh, uh, but I, I think the definition itself of of mental health just refers to the condition of one's psychological uh, 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 functioning uh, mm-hmm. uh, and emo- and emotional well being. Um, good question though. What does it mean to have poor mental health, right? So that's the de- definition of mental health. Right. Uh, What is what does it mean to have poor mental health or good mental health?
0: I mean, so I've been thinking a lot about this Mm -hmm. since we had a conversation the other day. And um, when we say mental health, right, Mm -hmm. um, are we talking about mental illness or are we talking about um, to be mentally healthy? Is Mm -hmm. it just to mean the absence of illness, Mm -hmm. the absence of pathology, or is it more than that? And how do you qualify that? You know, it. it to me, I was mm. thinking about this. I think it's really an individual endeavor. Yeah. As long as you are um, not hurting anybody. Yeah. As long as you are not harming yourself. Yeah. And you're adhering to some, you know, social norms that, you know, allow you to maneuver your way through the world in a, in a you know, in a manner that doesn't disrupt anybody's life too mm. much. Mm-hmm. I think it's really each individual's right to define what is mentally healthy for them is it is
1: it it fair to say that they're just like for physical health there's a spectrum for mental health yeah right uh that ranges from uh pathology on one end to uh let's say complete and total self-actualization on the other end right mm-hmm. uh with the and with self-actualization I mean uh you know that includes the ability to manage one's mental health uh, effectively via the use of uh, uh effective coping strategies coping mechanisms and other other uh, uh healthy living endeavors um you know m- mental health is a condition right as 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 it pertains to one's psychological functioning and emotional well-being as the definition stated so with that said there is a spectrum um Uh, And and most people are somewhere fall somewhere on that spectrum, right? Just like with physical health, right? So most of us are not Olympic athletes. We would agree. Olympic athletes are on are at the top of the for when it comes to physical health. Olympic athletes, for example, would be at the top at the far end of the 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 top end of the spectrum, right? For physical health. But it doesn't mean that someone who is in the middle of the spectrum necessarily is in poor health physically they might just be in good enough health right
0: well i mean but even that makes me think uh, about you know the the condition that some olympic athletes are in uh might be considered uh unhealthy to some right um and given the injuries that they sustain and Mm -hmm. the the mental uh the, the mental injuries that they mm-hmm. sustain in the midst of becoming Olympic athletes. We're talking about
1: just physical health now. Okay, so yeah. physical health. Yeah so, I, I'm so using an ana- I'm using an analogy. There's a spectrum of of just mental yeah. health is a spectrum, just like physical health. I was yeah. using a, I was using a uh, kind of an analogy the physical health analogy. I was and, and maybe Olympic athletes are are, are not the, the best example, but they're the best example I could think of.
0: Well no, it's good because it
1: They're typically in, in peak physical health right? Yes. Okay. If you, you have 1% body fat, uh, you know, you're, you're chiseled, you're able to do backflips, pr- it's fair to say you're in, you're, you're in the top 1% of the population when it comes to your physical health, yes. right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that, y- you know, uh, people who are somewhere in the middle of the spectrum are in poor physical health. They just might have good enough or average physical health, right? Mm-hmm. So mental health is the same way. Right. Uh, there are plenty of people who are in the middle of the spectrum who might not be at peak of mental health, but are still highly functional, able to manage whatever mental health symptoms they might experience in a pretty effective way um, so that they so that it, it doesn't adversely so that those symptoms don't adversely impact their quality of life uh, and, and ability to function day to day. Um A lot of I think the clients that we have worked with throughout our careers, particularly the Medicaid population, uh, fall on the other end of the spectrum. They're lower functioning due to uh, more severe mental health symptoms in combination with a lack of support, a lack of willing, a lack of access to uh, the system of. well, the, they're 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 on the lower end of the spectrum due to severe, uh, more severe mental health symptoms, but also in in, in combination mm-hmm. with yeah. lack so, of access yeah. to the healthcare system,
0: like socioeconomic issues, uh, lack so, of family support, oppression. yeah,
1: yeah, it's yeah. 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 So lack of family support. So it's not just they. It's not just that they ha- may have more severe mental those health like symptoms,
0: quality of life issues.
1: Yeah. Well, they have. They may have more severe mental health symptoms, but the, they those mental health symptoms exist in conjunction with. A lack of family support, lack of education, lack of access to quality health care, particularly mental health care. That's what makes that's what that's what puts them at the far end of the, the, the bad side of the mental health spectrum. All of those factors, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So th- they they're on the they're on the far end of the spectrum, right, for mental health. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone on on the other opposite end of, of the mental health spectrum. It's it's kind of hard because you really don't truly know. Uh, how mentally well someone is Mm -hmm. even highly functional people CEOs, uh, Fortune 500 companies, athletes, some of them struggle with mental health uh, mental health diagnoses and mental health symptoms they just don't manifest in dysfunctional behaviors Uh, in fact, some of those folks
0: some of of them do
1: well, well, I'm trying to give you, uh, let me give you an example, someone like Steve Jobs or Michael Jordan these were highly motivated self-directed uh, people who probably were our path, were, well, Steve Jobs is deceased, uh, uh, Michael Jordan is still alive, but some would argue, and I'm sure in the mental health community, that those. Uh, uh, those high achieving, successful people were pathological in many ways, right? Yeah. Uh, but their pathologies worked for them in the fields in which they worked, right? Mm-hmm. So it worked to their their pathologies uh, kind of um, were conducive to uh, productivity uh, and, and and high achieving in their fields, right? Which is interesting because we often think of mental health. Uh, symptoms and mental health diagnoses as something that hinders your functioning. But in the case of highly functioning people who are pathological and have mental health diagnoses, we've seen evidence that um, narcissistic personality disorder um, uh, and and uh, obsessive compulsive disorder can actually compel people to achieve great things, depending on what their field is. So context is important too.
0: Context is important and also... Um When we say, quote-unquote, great things, we have to really look at the value of those things. Well, Michael Jordan
1: was a great athlete. He achieved great things athletically. Why? Because he was pathological about winning.
0: Yes. Uh, But when you bring up the idea of narcissistic personality disorder or things like that, Mm. um, how do we define success? How do we define achievement? We have to qualify all of that. And as it pertains to mental health, Mm. it works for them but does that mode of living work for everyone, right? Well, so no, it's no. really hard yeah. to define what it is to be a high achiever or to be yeah. someone that's quote unquote successful, Well, the, the, right? point,
1: the point I was trying to make is that while it's easy, to, I think, to identify those on the lower end of the mental health yeah. spectrum, it's actually quite hard to determine and identify who's on the higher end. Yeah. Be, because they might be highly functional and productive and successful, but that doesn't make them mentally healthy.
0: It doesn't make them mentally healthy, and also when people um lack power, yeah. right? When they're uh in an oppressed state, when they don't have the resources, yeah. Um, to advocate for themselves they don't have the ability to advocate for themselves then no. they fall prey sure. to to being defined uh, in in different ways by yeah. society in ways that someone that has the resources to rationalize their their behavior, uh, don't don't have right so so well. Let in sticking stick Let me Well, hold my, on. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. is it Howard Hughes? Is that the aviator? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, he was yeah. he was rich. Yeah, he was able to stay in a room all day, and grow his fingernails out. What was, was his it? diagnosis? By the way, uh, I can't remember. I gotta look that. I gotta look He was that like, up. he was he he had some issues, I mm-hmm. I I don't know, but he was, uh, but he had the resources to support that behavior. Yeah. Uh, enough so that the people around him really couldn't give him too much feedback. Whereas a woman, uh, you know, in a low socioeconomic status, um, that that doesn't have the resources to take care of their children. Um, I've actually I read an article recently about this um, that um, maybe people of a low income, women of a low income. Mm-hmm. Um, and minorities tend to have their children taken away from them a lot more often than people yeah. that that have the resources to fight the system. Yeah. So so they're just more vulnerable to everything. So, yeah, it's a good point. So mm-hmm. people that have a lot of resources mm-hmm. or people that um, hone their craft in a certain way to mm-hmm. make their disorder work for them, yeah. the same cannot be said for someone that doesn't have the, the yeah. education or the... The money or... So maybe it's
1: fair to say... I think what we're trying to say then is that um, uh, the status of your mental health, how mentally healthy you are, it's not necessarily... Uh, reflected by your professional success or your absolutely level of functionality, yeah, right? So just not. because you're low functioning doesn't mean your mental health is poor, and just because you're high functioning and successful does not mean that your me- your your mental health is good, right. right? Okay. And
0: we're on a spectrum.
1: Yes, it's yeah. a spectrum, right? And that's why I was struggling to find examples of people. I can I can list dozens of examples of people who are on the lower end of the mental health spectrum. Sure. That's easy, but on the higher end of the spectrum, it, it's kind of hard. You really don't know. I, I can't think of one person that I would I would cite as being on the high end of the spectrum. I know there there are plenty of people, but I'm trying to think of kind of a famous person. Um, it, it's difficult uh, to, to 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 kind of identify someone because a lot of successful people that I would name, and you know, I kind of I mentioned Michael Jordan, I mentioned Steve Jobs. I think, quite frankly, were pathological in many ways, but they but it worked for them in in their in their particular fields. For
0: sure. Yeah. It
1: was con- their, their pathology was conducive to professional success. Right. So, yeah. so Michael, jo- Michael Jordan was no doubt a successful athlete because he was pathological about winning. He hated to lose. so he did everything that he could to make sure that he won and it worked for him
0: yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Donald Trump is, is an interesting example yeah. as, 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 you know as, 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 as much as people hate Donald Trump, understandably so, um, I, I think it's important to uh, when viewing him through the context of, me, uh, of of mental of a mental health lens um, or, or when, when viewing him through the lens of mental health and kind of um, uh, assessing his uh, uh, um, uh, kind of strengths and uh, ability to be successful in the field of politics it, it's important to acknowledge what made him so successful uh, I think it's it's easy to criticize him and uh, diagnose him, but there's no question that his narcissism, um, uh, you know, his pa- pathological uh, behavior, uh, was conducive to political success. and worked for him. It drew people to him, made him popular, made people believe in him, invest in invest in him politically, and he benefited from it.
0: So that's one view, right? The other view might be, and uh, you know, we're not diagnosing anybody Mm -hmm. on here, um, and you know, I'm not.
1: I'm not saying I like the guy. I'm not making any
0: assumptions about him. I've never met him. I haven't had the chance to go through diagnostic assessment with him. However, so through the lens of success, and you know. You gain popularity, you win a presidency, whatever. You have a lot of money, but again, he, he had the money to begin with. But whatever, um, is he successful in other areas of his life? And how do you define that? Right? Is his uh, narcissism and the way that he behaves a function of uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms because he comes from an abusive background? Like I don't even know. I, I but. It's really hard to define what success is. It's really hard to define... Uh,
1: well, success is defined by the individual. Right? It is, and that's Do- Donald point. Trump wanted to become rich. He succeeded in that. He wanted to become president. He succeeded in that. So from his vantage point, he, he's successful. Yes. I would say, even from my vantage point, uh, he's successful because he achieved what he set out to do. But it, it, this is not about politics, liking Donald Trump, disliking Donald Trump. My, my point is that he, if he does indeed ha- struggle with a mental illness or have a, di- a diagnosis, and I don't know what it might be. I think it's clear that he exhibits narcissistic traits. Um, but uh, the, the point I was trying to make is that those narcissistic traits work for him in that they are conducive To Him achieving his goals, they're conducive to success in in his chosen, him
0: achieving his goals, and negatively impacting other people. But we're not talking about that. But here's the thing is, I will say this uh, if we get off the topic of Donald Trump Mm. just for a second, Mm. that no matter how successful I'm trying to make
1: America great again, just kidding. No
0: matter how successful Mm. you become, uh, I contend. That the condition that you are in mentally is really, uh, again, unless you're a harm to yourself or others or doing, you know, you know, enacting really disruptive behaviors in public, whatever, mm-hmm. is really up to you. Because there are a lot of people that are quote unquote successful, right, mm-hmm. objectively successful, that are still striving to be mentally healthier. And so mental health, mental illness, defining it is so difficult because you can have someone that um, has money, they have friends, they have a successful career, mm-hmm. um, they don't exhibit any um, symptoms that are diagnosable in the in the diagnostic statistics manual, right? Um, and yet they don't consider themselves to be healthy and they're always striving to be healthier, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe they consider themselves to be healthy, Um But they're not at their at at the the optimal level of mental health that they would like to be, right? Yeah,
1: my my only point was that you know it's 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 difficult to sometimes um, assess how mentally healthy someone is because sometimes people who are highly successful who struggle with mental illness are able to mask (laughs) it. Um, But even but but. Beyond that, there. But I'll take it a step further, and with it, I uh, use the Michael Jordan and the Donald Trump example. They actually use their path pathological yeah. uh, 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 tendencies. Their their pathology actually. Drives uh, their their success. It's conducive to the success in their chosen. Well, fields.
0: and 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 people compartmentalize a lot in their lives too. So while they may be healthy in one aspect of their yeah. lives, one area of their lives, yeah. they may lack health in another area sure. of their yeah. lives. So it's also that's pretty complex yeah. too. So yeah. like. Um, One might
1: not be mentally healthy across the board. They might be mentally exactly. healthy in, in their career, but not mentally healthy uh, in their personal relationships exactly. or vice versa. Exactly. Right?
0: So it, I believe that... Um, but mental
1: health is not necessarily reflected in one's success or lack thereof. No, right?
0: not at all. Yeah. Not at all.
1: And it can, it can work against you in, cer- in certain regards. And in, in some ways, it can work for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, again, people with narcissistic personality personality disorder, people who have psychopathic tendencies, uh, tend to be successful in in certain fields. Uh, and uh, so mental health is not your poor mental health is not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be low functioning or unsuccessful, right? Quite the contrary and for some people. Um, but I think what the, the 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 reason I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, uh, discerning between the two is that because i think f- for the most part in our society mental health is associated with low functioning people yeah poor people people who are struggling low functioning unsuccessful and that is not the case it is not
0: the case right everybody everybody yeah. falls under the umbrella of mental health yeah. because mental health is physical health yeah there are so many different reasons that people develop mental health problems, mental illness, or mental injuries. I like the I like the term mental injuries. I've been using that a little bit recently. Um, there are so many different reasons. There are physiological reasons. There are environmental reasons, um, and and it's 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 it doesn't discriminate. It, it hits everybody on uh, every socioeconomic status every walk of life uh, so everybody falls under the umbrella of, of mental health just mm-hmm. like um, you go and you get your blood work done every mm-hmm. year you uh, should also consider uh, going and talking to someone uh, in the context of, uh, of therapy maybe mm-hmm. once a year if you know just, just be proactive about it you know yeah. Um, right. and it doesn't even have to be a therapist. It could be clergy, you know, but,
1: um, or if you want to be traumatized, speak to your clergyman, just kidding. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, so, um, I think over, uh, you know, our, collectively our society, I think has shifted, uh, uh, its view, uh, uh, on mental health, um, over the past 50 years. Uh, I think there's still largely a stigma, uh, that that is uh, associated with mental health and therapy, um, but it's not as bad as it used to be, I have to say, uh, and that is a a credit to the uh, mental health advocacy community that has worked who has worked tire- tirelessly over the past century to advocate for um, uh, met- mental health education, mental health advocacy. Uh, and the importance of therapy. Uh, re- uh, re- uh, re- it's
0: really becoming a lot more normalized. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, even, and again,
1: that, yeah, and that, that is largely attributable to the mental health advocacy community that, as I said, has worked tirelessly to normalize the idea of mental health and therapy. Uh, they've worked very hard to destigmatize it. And I think the more people who become comfortable with reaching out for therapy and mental health supports, um, the more normal it becomes. So you know, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, no. I, you know, as I'm talking to a lot of my clients, I'm recognizing, uh, and this is, again, over a long period of time, yeah. many different people, mm-hmm. um, that uh, it, it, if we're just going to talk about, like, mental wellness, independent mm-hmm. of, of presenting with any symptoms of any sort... Um, we are really improving um, as a society because I, I yeah. hear about um, in schools they're they're teaching emotional wellness, like they have classes about emotional wellness from a mm-hmm. very young age at this point, which yeah. is fantastic because um, a lot of adults that I see have not been modeled um, uh, good ways, healthy mm-hmm. ways um, to process their emotions, to mm-hmm. to deal with conflict in relationships, you know, relational. Issues. Um, they they grow up, and you know you're taught all these things um, uh, in the context of school, and then uh, you know let loose on the world, and mm-hmm. you may not know how to use an I statement in an argument. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so so I think that it it has changed greatly, mm-hmm. and it is continuing to change, and it is in mm-hmm. the favor of of having more uh, interventions. Um, and and in a positive, proactive way, which is fantastic. Um, Because of the way... I mean, it even starts from infancy. Mm. Infant mental health is an issue. You know, attachment issues, attachment parenting, I'm a big advocate of that. Mm. Um, Because uh, even health in the womb, I mean, that... it it starts that early, it starts that early, (laughs) you know, and so advocating for women to be taken care of in the midst of their pregnancies and, and infant health and, you know, fetal health, infant health, and then attachment and, and trying to support um, women and families as much as possible to raise healthy people so that they don't end up in the system suffering as adults. Um, I think that society, um, is getting better. There's a lot of work to do, definitely, um, but there is more support I think than there used to be. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and I you know and I, I don't think that progress is occur when it comes to the de-stigmati- destigmatization of mental health and therapy. I don't think that progress. Is occurring kind of across the board. It does in our society. It var- it really does vary from community to community.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh,
1: I think there are there are a number of communities that are, are are lagging behind when it comes to their understanding of mental health and the de de-stigmati- stigmatization of mental health. Uh, and there are many reasons for that. Uh, some of which are not the fault at, at all of those communities. Um, uh, but you know, for, I'll give some examples: the senior population. Uh, uh, the African American population, the Latinx population; um, these are these are populations that have historically uh, uh, either been uh, averse to uh, the mental the system of, of mental health. Understandably so. I think I think their aversion is very much warranted uh, due to systemic racism. Uh, but uh, they also have lacked uh, historically uh, 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 access to quality and affordable. Uh, mental health care. Uh, and that's a big part of the reason they've uh, been uh, kind of detached from the system of mental uh, health and uh, there continues to be a kind of a greater stigma associated with mental health in those communities. So I don't think that this uh, the progress that we've made as a society, uh, when it comes to destigmatizing mental health and therapy, is occurring across the board. It does vary from community to community, with certain co- with certain lower socioeconomic uh, uh, communities lagging behind. And, and that is something that we, as a practice, Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation, um, have, uh, uh, have 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 uh, worked uh, to uh, to uh, address. Right, uh, our mission statement on our website. Uh, uh, clearly states that we we seek to bridge some of these gaps, uh, close some of the, dis- or, or shrink some of the disparities that exist between those aforementioned uh, communities and the system of mental health, right?
0: Yeah, you know, it goes even deeper than mm-hmm. that, though. Like, there's cultural relativism. I mm-hmm. won't get too much into that right now. That's Define that right for hand. me. What, what, do you,
1: what do you mean?
0: Um, meaning that people's, conceptualization of what Mm -hmm. mental health psychology um, psychiatry is is relative to the culture that they well everything is relative to the culture that they come from and as we know that is that, and that
1: serves as a, a very significant obstacle to accessing mental health services it can be yeah.
0: depending on how you characterize um, you know obstacles I Look, mean, but I'm saying like, I'm
1: saying where that exists where it, that it exists. typically serves as an obstacle to mental health services for those communities for right? sure yeah. so if you are from uh, if you are from rural Alabama uh, and you are an Episcopalian uh, or, or a, a very devout Christian, uh, fundamentalist, you may not. I'm not joking here. I'm being honest. No, I'm, uh, I'm being real. The, 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 you you may not seek out a therapist. You may go to your the deacon of your church, at the priest. Uh, you, you may you may seek out. Uh, uh the, the support from the, the clergy, uh, because as you said, kind of culturally, those, those people are con- those folks are conditioned to seek out supports for their mental health struggles, uh, uh in, in that way, they're not necessarily seeking out a therapist, yeah,
0: and you know, um. Part of being mentally healthy is mm-hmm. is uh, resiliency. Part of resiliency is having a support network. So while those support mm-hmm. networks hold value, mm-hmm. um, and you know we can talk about what therapy actually does at some point um, in terms of our neural pathways, etc., yeah. um, clergy is is can be very uh, useful. However, when you're talking about um, someone having um, something like post traumatic stress disorder, that is really a disorder of the nervous system um, you know saying Ten Hail
1: Marys is not going to solve that problem
0: I mean it, the the mindfulness behind the practice of, of of praying the Rosary or whatever prayer can be an effective be coping helpful. strategy no yeah, question an effective coping strategy yeah. but may not address some of the neural issues that are going on well, so,
1: I, I think yeah. pr- I think I think prayer faith, Uh, Religious practices and customs can be part of. It can be a very important and effective part of a multi-pronged approach to treating and addressing mental health symptoms. I am not downplaying the importance and the value of of religion and faith and the church in helping people to cope and manage their mental health. But but it has to be part of a multi-pronged approach.
0: Yeah, it really it it certainly does, and I think that we can uh, again while we're not. The authority, we are authorities. Um, we've worked in mental health long enough and seen enough uh situations in which people have neglected their mental health due to their religious practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's safe to say that it, it is really important to have a multi pronged approach mm-hmm. and not and, and that's an
1: evidence based statement, right? It so, is an evidence. So, statement. so, so, all of the research, most of the nearly all of the research that, that has been done on on um, the management of uh, best practice management of severe and persistent mental illness over the past 50 years has stated that um, those who uh, uh, th- th- that the best way to kind of the most effective way to manage uh, mental health symptoms moderate to severe is through a multi-pronged approach. Oh yeah. And it, it, it typically it's typically it's a combination of therapy medication and support system, in addition to having a variety of effective, healthy coping mechanisms, right? So, treating mental Ill- illness uh, at this stage in human history um, uh, is 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 uh, does require, uh, based on the research. Uh, right. This is evidence-based research. It's show that the likely it's it's largely shown. All the evidence-based research has shown that your likelihood of managing uh, uh, your your mental health symptoms um, increases exponentially if you if you adopt a multi-pronged approach, specifically therapy, effective healthy coping mechanisms, yeah. um, uh, uh, a group or individual therapy, uh, healthy effective coping mechanisms. uh, Healthy support and robust support system, and medication if necessary. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, So, treating mental health clearly uh, requires, for the most part, a multi-pronged approach. Uh, And I think that the reason so many people uh, struggle with managing their mental health symptoms is they don't utilize a a multi-pronged approach, right? Um, Either by choice or because they don't have access. To those supports, they don't have a healthy support system. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to fair uh, quality mental health care. They can't, or they can't afford it. Yeah. Uh, same thing with medication. Um, so there are significant barriers to uh, the mental, the system of mental health care. Some are self-imposed, but most, I think, are socioeconomic or structural.
0: Yeah. So the idea of cultural relativism—I mean, mm-hmm. you could do a whole hour on that itself. Um, but yeah, those cultural
1: barriers do 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 cause a problem. Those yeah, are the they really do, and yeah. that
0: and that includes um, religious practice. Yeah. You know, um, so I I feel uh, a little bit like so we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about treating symptoms, but it brings you back to the idea mm-hmm. of like you know how do you define mental health? Is it Absence of psychopathology, mm-hmm. um, or is it more than that, right? So I think we've determined that, um, you know, it,
1: it It's a good question, right? Is is does someone have poor mental health simply because they have a mental illness, or does mental health really mean does it have more to do with one's ability to manage their mental health symptoms?
0: Well. Can you be mentally ill, like with a diagnosable uh, uh, condition, and also considered to be mentally healthy within that framework?
1: No. I'll tell you why. If someone has a severe or persistent mental illness, so someone has major depressive disorder or schizophrenia, uh, by any objective clinical uh, definition, that person has poor mental health uh it now it doesn't necessarily mean it's their fault it's like saying if someone has cancer are they in poor health if someone is obese are they in poor health the answer is objectively yes right um but i think you also have to incorporate the degree to which the person is working to manage uh their mental health symptoms but there's no question that if someone is born with schizophrenia Uh, And they are struggling with it, right? It's activated. They have that gene. It's been activated. They're struggling with schizophrenia. Let's say they're experiencing uh, delusions. Uh, They experience kind of visual and auditory hallucinations. Yes, their baseline level of mental health is lower than someone who does not have schizophrenia. So their
0: baseline is lower, but you can also, within... For instance, a diagnosis of schizophrenia, I see that as a spectrum too in terms of health. And here's why because people can choose to. Uh, Are
1: some schizophrenics more highly functional than others? Of course. Yes. 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 But but so you
0: can be, quote unquote, healthier um, if you engage in behaviors that support your mental yes, health. Yes, of course. Yes. But if
1: someone has schizophrenia, mm-hmm. their mental health is poorer than someone who doesn't. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think we both agree, and 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 the degree to which and and their their mental health at that point we agree their mental health their baseline level of mental health is lower than that of someone who does not have schizophrenia. Yes. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that someone with schizophrenia, if they use a multi-pronged approach uh, and have to to uh, to manage their their mental health symptoms, it doesn't mean that they can't lead a highly productive. Successful life. We've seen many examples of people with severe and persistent mental illnesses who are able to do that if they have the right supports and access to quality mental health care and the willingness to do what's necessary to manage their mental health. But make no mistake about it, their baseline level of mental health is lower. It requires more effort uh, to manage it. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, in many in many cases. Uh, there, there is a genetic uh, uh, link and a hereditary well, component it, to mental health. It is
0: just a degenerative brain Correct. disorder. It yeah. is not uh, – there's no value attached to it. That's yeah. another point yeah. that I wanted to make as far as mental health goes um, is that there's no value attached to the diagnosis of schizophrenia versus, uh, you know, a non-diagnosis of schizophrenia. That doesn't make someone a better or worse person. Uh, it depends, I think, on the framework that you're looking at it through. You know? Well, we're not
1: talking about we're not making value judgments, no, but right? Society do. does, but yes. But people,
0: people, have. We're, we're
1: strictly talking about level. We're we're, we're, to, we're strictly talking about where they fall on the spectrum of mental health, sure. right? Uh, their the 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 severity of their symptoms, their level of functionality, their ability uh, to uh, to manage it. The, the, all those factors determine one's level of mental health. Yeah. Right where on the spectrum they fall. But um, you but yes, to your point, yes, it's true. People, our society makes value ju- judgments yeah. based on people's level of functionality and the severity of of their mental health symptoms. The uh, homeless, unemployed veteran with PTSD and schizophrenia uh, who is living in the park and shouting at people and talking to himself, uh, he he or she, that person goes largely ignored by our society mm-hmm. and is largely look, looked down upon mm-hmm. uh, by our society as you know, as kind of uh, just so, as someone who does someone who lacks value, a burden, uh, someone to, uh, or, or, or really they're they're even worse than, than being viewed as a burden. They're invisible. They're viewed as non-existent. They're ignored. Um, so yes, society makes a value judgment based on those who struggle the most with mental health health and are the lowest functioning. No question about it. Yeah. Um. And a lot of the work that we've done in our careers with the Medicaid population, but but others as well, has been in the service of those people, yeah. of that population, trying to uh, help them to gain uh, access to uh, the system of mental health care uh, so that they can lead functional, productive lives.
0: Yeah, and part of that mental health treatment is mm. advocacy, yeah. you know, so... So a lot of the work that I've done um, is surrounding um, supporting them in, in, in their socioeconomic struggles and their housing struggles. And so all of that goes, plays into someone's mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so uh, uh, and, 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 and I do want to, again, credit the advocacy of the mental health advocacy community. Um, they have done a phenomenal job, a, a tremendous job of uh, breaking down barriers uh, regarding the stigmatization of, uh, of, of mental health in our society. While there is uh, quite a bit of work yet to do, um, they are largely responsible for mental health and therapy being normalized in our society over the last 50 years, encouraging uh, people to uh, seek out mental health treatment, to not feel uh, insecure or uh, uh, awkward about seeking out services for their mental health symptoms. Uh, and so that that community really has been at the forefront of the destigmatization uh, of mental health and has allowed for people like us to open to open a practice and service the mental health population. Um, uh, yeah. we we owe a, a great uh, a, a deal of gratitude. Uh, we we owe them a lot for for their efforts. They they've really they really have done a lot and they've broken down a lot of barriers. Uh, so I I do want to credit that that community for all that they've done.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like on one hand, uh, uh, trying to integrate people um, that have a severe, persistent mental illness into um, our society at large, you know, um, and and you know. In integrating them into our mm-hmm. communities, mm-hmm. Um, you would think would be all positive, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it is a really great thing that we have done to try to integrate people with severe persistent mental illness into mm-hmm. our society. Um, uh, more, you know. However, there was a time. When people with mental illness, mm-hmm. uh, while they weren't necessarily integrated into our society mm-hmm. as much as they are now, um, actually fared better in some ways with the structures that were in place at one time, mm-hmm. in in the form of the communities that were part of like the 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 mental hospitals that were shut down, mm-hmm. um, because they were actually communities that were thriving. Mm-hmm. And yes, there were some abuses. Um, But there were also a lot of positive things about having a community um, that was solely focused on uh, mental illness and mental health, um, where people that had these issues didn't have to worry about clothing, they didn't have to worry about access to food, they didn't have to worry about housing. They were housed, they were clothed, they were fed, they were given jobs, they were part of a community. And when those places were shut down, The idea was that it's more humane to have people not, you know, sort of uh, cloistered away. Um, But it actually has hurt a lot of people to not be cloistered away. And that might be a little controversial for me to say that. Um, But that's what a lot of my work was early on, was helping the people that were... Um, put out into the street. Yeah. Uh, when a lot of the mental hospitals were shut down in the 80s, yeah. um, they were just released and, like, okay, go find housing. You know, you want to let's integrate them into society. And that's really great. It's altruistic, it's idealistic, it's fantastic. What a great idea. But the reality is that these people don't have natural support systems often because their mm-hmm. families have abandoned them or they didn't have them in the first place. They're part of the foster care yeah. system. Whatever. There's so many different varieties. Of well, varieties. And that's where
1: social workers come in. That's where social right? workers come in. Yeah. Um,
0: but it's never, it's never an easy... Uh, just cut and dry, black and white, concrete solution sure. to mental health and mental illness. There's never just one, you said it, it's multi-pronged, there's mm. never just one solution and it's never just, um, it, it's never black and white. Yeah. So there are uh, costs and benefits to each approach that you take to mental wellness
1: and um, but I, think, I think we would agree that it requires a, the, a multilateral approach, a multi pronged approach to treating mental health uh, typically yields the highest probability of success, well, of yeah. a positive outcome, right? All the evidence, all the research uh, over the past 50 years has supported that, has concluded that. Um, uh, and so I think that, that really is the challenge for um, uh, practitioners. Uh, uh, it's always been I think one of the greatest challenges for practitioners not just convincing people to read to to Uh, engage in mental health services but to adopt a multi-pronged approach, a multilateral approach to managing their mental illness uh, and their mental health symptoms. That is difficult to do. I mean, listen, even highly functional people don't have, sometimes don't have great support systems. They they, they, they lack something that helps them uh, to kind of manage their own mental health symptoms. So imagine being from a lower socioeconomic tier, not having a support system, not having money, not having a job. It becomes extremely difficult to manage your day-to-day needs, including your mental health. So, And the thing about mental health is, particularly with severe and persistent mental illnesses, is that it can spiral very quickly. Oh, yeah. If you don't get the... The, the, the timing is key. If you don't get the support that you need within a certain period of time, uh, you can easily spiral and end up on the streets. And that's often what happens.
0: That is. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Um... Yeah, early intervention has been shown to have uh, to be the most effective in treating mental yeah. illness. And yeah. if you do, if you're not in a in a position either culturally, socioeconomically, geographically to support um, that early intervention, then yeah, the outcome is is definitely uh, worse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's that's a big part of the reason why um, I became a social worker, why I went to gra- why I went to grad school and, and got my MSW, because, you know, I, I wanted to work with those populations. Uh, I wanted to help them to reintegrate into society. Well, those who uh, kind of uh, fell by the wayside uh uh, those who were disconnected from the system of, of, of the mental health care. The disenfranchised. The marginalized. I wanted to help them to reintegrate into society, reconnect, get the services they need so they could improve their lives, become functional, healthy, productive members of, of society. Um, you know, I also wanted to uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of fill in and, and improve the gaps that existed in the uh, healthcare service delivery system um, uh, in in DC and in New York, right? And that's a big part of the reason we started Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation, right? To provide quality and affordable uh, mental health services to a wide uh, array of people. Um, where to, you know, where we, we started this pra- our practice because we wanted to, in an effort to uh, uh, bridge these gaps, right, in the service delivery system for mental health in the district. And I think we've done a good job of that, but there's still a long way to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. In, in the district and nationwide, there's a long way to go.
0: So we've talked a lot about, uh, mm-hmm. severe and persistent, uh, mental illness and the disenfranchised mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, the population mm-hmm. that we tend to work with now, um, are, are high functioning, um, mm-hmm. professional students, um, that do have a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, they, they still struggle. So yeah. um, there are struggles on so many different levels. Yeah.
1: And Well, like we said, mental health is a spectrum. It is a right? spectrum. We, and We, we work is, with a more highly functional client population, but they still struggle with their share of mental health symptoms uh, and need support every bit as much as uh, kind of the lower functioning uh, uh, populations on the lower end of the spectrum, right? Because um,
0: mental health... Uh, or mental illness, or mental yeah. concerns, mental injuries. It affects everybody. They're non-discriminatory. Yeah. It's like across the board. Yeah. Uh, wealthy, poor, um, you know, all different ethnicities, all different uh, professional backgrounds, mm-hmm. genders, um, gender identities, mm. you know, sexualities. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's non-discriminatory and it's it yeah.
1: Well, in, in future sessions, perhaps we can we'll, we'll talk about the the that uh, the the, the uh, systemic barriers uh, to mental health services uh, and how systemic racism um, uh, contributes uh, to the disparities that we see. Uh, in uh, when it comes to mental health services, the quality and the accessibility of mental health services in different communities.
0: Well, yeah, and even just uh, someone's personal journey mm-hmm. uh, through mental health or seeking out mental health services um, is affected um, by those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can talk very specifically about um, oppression and intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation, how mm-hmm. that might impact someone's um, conceptualization of mental health and how they approach their own health yeah. um, it's it, it it's really affected by uh, so many different uh, things so yeah sure. that's a good topic for sure yeah. so I think we are going to wind down um, okay. for this and so um, we're, we're out
1: of time uh, I finished my wine Alex has finished hers uh, before we wrap up, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Roscoe's uh, Chicken and Waffle in uh, Northeast D.C. Uh, thank you for sponsoring our, uh, 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 our initial podcast, our pilot episode. Uh, also, Ben's Chili Bowl on U Street, Northwest D.C. I want to give a shout out to them, uh, as well as Hennessy. Uh, uh, the African-American drink of choice. Uh, so uh, uh, that was racist, wasn't it? Okay. Well, uh, thank you to our sponsors for uh, supporting the Compass, Rose, uh, or Compass Rogue uh, podcast. It, it's been fun. Alex, any final words before we wrap up for our um. audience of two? A dog and a sleeping teenage girl.
0: (laughs) We will. uh, You will find us on uh, the BBC. You Mm. will. You will find us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On the BBC, (laughs) will we find (laughs) us or find you on the BBC?
0: Just kidding. Anyway. All right. On that Uh, note, good night,
1: good night, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time. (laughs)